Hi, this is Sarah Jenner, and welcome to another episode of Noble Leaders Having Noble Conversations. Today, I'm happy to have Nathan Kolar joining us for this conversation. Nathan's a corporate wellness consultant for Soulset Solutions and Colonial Group International, and he is also a facilitator for the Mindful Leader Certification Program. Thank you for joining us today. Sarah, I'm super excited for this. <laughs> Thank you. You know how Tom Cruise, he, he was jumping on the On couch? Oprah, yeah. I thought I'm just going to stand up right now for on theatrical the effect. <laughs> And it'll come back down. That you're clearly very stoked about this conversation. And, and thank you for everyone's time listening. Yes, I do. I appreciate the time that everyone gives to us when they uh, listen in on our podcast. So getting into the first question, what does being a noble leader mean to you? Okay, so if anyone has traveled to Italy, mm, I can't say I have. One day. One day, yeah. There's a statue of David by Michelangelo. And so the line of thinking goes, to build something, you can add a bunch of things in and build something up. Yeah. Or you can do like how the statue of David was created, which is this beautiful historic statue. And that is you start with like a, a stone and you just chisel away at it and you take things away. And then what you're left with is like beauty. And so being a noble leader is not necessarily, we don't have to have the greatest tech apps. We don't have to buy everything. But instead, let's see where we are right now. And just take away like our self-limiting beliefs or mm -hmm. take away the unnecessary, chisel away. And what we're left with is like our truth. What we're left with is like the beauty. Yeah, um, I like that. Almost like it's always within us. Yeah. We just have to find it. And so noble leaders don't only think like, you know, adding things in in addition, but mm -hmm. they also think about like subtraction too. And that's hard in a world where there's billboards and marketing <laughs> and everyone's saying buy this and, and get this. Yes. When in reality, maybe it's just a matter of, of, of simplifying yeah. things. That it's not necessarily about consumption, but instead just using the tools you already have. Yeah. Um, perhaps almost like the, the concept of like minimalism. And then when you when you take away the unnecessary, then you're left with more time to focus on the, your actual priorities. Yeah. Or you're left with more time um, and more energy as well. Mm -hmm. There's like a line of thinking that's like, it's not always time management, but energy management mm -hmm. as well. That's so true. And I think something I totally struggle with time management sometimes. And I love the idea of energy management because then I think it takes away that like stigma and guilt sometimes where we feel like every day we just have to be busting it from like eight till six. And then there are going to be some days where, you know, for two hours that day, you're just like, I just don't have it in me. You've had a rough day at the beginning and near the end. You're like, you're just making those are the moments where I send out those ridiculous emails to the wrong person or forget about sending some kind of particular project for a deadline. And it's because you're just go, go, go. And you're not giving yourself that moment to really manage that energy. So I love that idea. Do you mind if I say one more thing? Go for it. <laughs> <laughs> Here we go. So there's also, and I, I really wanted to kind of make these points at the beginning of this, because when I, when I heard these, these points about leadership and, mm -hmm. and related to being a noble leader, they've been like, uh, I think, game-changing for myself. Mm -hmm. And that is also uh, noble leaders. There's a concept called like the Stockdale principle. Oh, I've never heard of that. And it's all about like the balance between confronting um, like so it's a balance between having like optimism for the future mm -hmm. and like positivity but also balancing that with where are you right now and what are like the brutal facts in your life right now and then 
like having the awareness between both of those. So I think, yeah, it's almost looking to the future and, and anticipating, but also knowing where you are right now and your reality. Cause it's easy to think like fairy tales and, yeah. <laughs> and, and rainbows and everything. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that. As long as perhaps you balance that with like uh, realism and, and like I said, confronting your br- uh, brutal facts right now. Creating that strong foundation of where you're at to then build from to your reaching your dreams or your goals that having that understanding that reality like you said of what you can handle and what you can do and then building from that so that you can be more realistic about achieving goals and not feel like you're consistently failing yourself trying to get there one of the areas of of the mindful leader certification that i admire a lot is that it's it's how do we have these conversations with each employee individually mm-hmm. instead of having like a, a blanket solution for everything it's how can we talk to each employee individually and then create a, a plan for them individually confronting their own brutal facts individually and then hopefully setting ourselves up for success later on um, instead of that easy blanket solution and yeah. it's the same for everyone yeah because it's not going to work for everyone right and i think that's where we always see that plans fall apart is that you're trying to make what works for one person work, like you said, for everyone, and it's not going to, and you're just going to have that revolving door of issues happening rather than just putting in that extra hour or two to have that one-on-one conversation with the individual and figuring out, okay, what really works for them instead. Nathan, what is the most noble thing you've witnessed a leader do? Okay, so... On this podcast, I'm, I'm purposely I want I want to give examples from different parts of my life, not yeah. just in a in a work context. Absolutely. Um, but a, a couple of weeks ago, I was in a coffee shop, and coffee shops are my second home. Yeah. <laughs> and and so I well, the beauty about going in, in, in coffee shops actually now I do think it's been impactful in my life is that you hear so many different conversations with other people around you. That's one of the best things about going to coffee shops, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> And so I was in this coffee shop and there was two uh, ladies sitting near me and they were talking about how this one lady has uh, a son mm-hmm. and they had some sort of um, like like situation, like she was talking to the son and she said to the son, like she had the humility to say, hey, like I'm also learning. Mm-hmm. And then the son kind of said back to her. Like in, in his voice, he said, mom, that means you and I are both learning together. Oh, yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, obviously, not obviously, but but parents are leaders. Mm-hmm. I hope all, all parents realize that. And so um, it's these these small things. It's, it's a small, small step for man, uh, one small step for man, yet a giant leap for mankind. Yeah. Right. As, as, a, as kind of like a quote. Um and it's showing somebody that like you are somebody. So that's kind of one example. And then mm-hmm. another example I want to put out there of, of what comes to mind about individuals being noble leaders. Um, so it's like a group I'm a part of called the Ontario Workplace Health Coalition. And so the, the chair, Terry, and the co-chair, Tracy, they always make an effort to ask individuals how they want to contribute and like what strengths they want to do for kind of like special projects. Oh, okay. And so how often do leaders not ask you what your strengths are or even try to assess what your strengths are and using your strengths is like a, almost like it can be a, they say it can be a hack towards happiness. 
And so when I when I see Terry and Tracy doing this, I think it's just such a noble act to say to someone, hey, what are your strengths? And are there any special projects you want to work on? Because then when that happens, my engagement goes through the roof. Yeah. I'm so much more into it, so to say. Um, I think it adds to that what you were talking about earlier, too, with energy management. That idea of, like, yes. when you're motivated and amped and excited about a project, like, you're going to have such higher energy than consistently getting those tasks that are not your strengths and maybe your weaknesses and you see them as tedious and boring and you just want to try and get through them as quickly as possible but they still keep coming back your way again and the last example i guess to to say three for this question is that um a noble thing that i that i've just kind of witnessed leaders do is accept coffee chats Mm. And so I think everyone's familiar with, you know, if you reach out to someone for a coffee chat, it's like a nice professional gesture for you to, to learn and, and grow your network and for them to, to share their time with you. Mm-hmm. But how noble is it for a leader to, to share their time with you and represent themselves as they're growing and learning at the yeah. same time? So noble leaders are always uh, growing. There's a quote that's like, when you cease to, to do better, you cease to do good. Huge factor. I think it's uh, it's the idea of instead of trying, uh, I think I think you'll like this one, Sarah. Is the line <laughs> of thinking that goes instead of trying to be impressive, yeah, try to be impressed. Nathan, whenever he co-facilitates with me, always has these great liners and like studies that I find I'm learning just as much in those sessions as our participants are. That I'm constantly writing things down, like quotes that you bring forward. And I think trying to be impressive, be impressed. It's just like you walk into a meeting with a different frame of mind than I need to be the expert in this situation. And instead, I just need to be another human talking to another human and learning from them along the way. So here's something I think you and I have in common. Mm -hmm. And that's why like every conversation we have, there's someone's writing notes and there's some sort of learning (laughs) going on is because... There's a there's a book called Principles by Ray Dalio, mm. and so if you're if someone's wondering if they're listening to this, they're wondering how what kind of uh, mindset could I have for my life is like if you think about like a graph, mm-hmm. and on let's say on the y-axis you have being assertive in your life, yeah, and on the x-axis you have being open-minded. Mm-hmm. So you have being assertive on one axis, being open-minded on the other. You want to be at the extreme of both mm-hmm. you want to you want to balance like being assertive but also being like open-minded and like That's how you so said not always thinking someone's like the expert in everything mm-hmm. it's exhausting i think to take on that title as i'm the expert and i am the the knower of all things because you're going to get caught up eventually and someone's going to call you out on it and then that never feels good. So I think like you said, just having that open mind and being willing to say, yeah, I don't have the answer to this right now, but let me try and find it for you. Or I know someone who would have the answer for you and reaching out to them. What do you think about this? I'm going to ask you a question. On the Noble Leader podcast episode with Marianne, Mm -hmm. she talked about the power of like collaboration. Yeah. And so what if someone is always has the the idea of like you you can be an expert but you also have a, an open mind that's like the the, the ingredient to collaboration mm-hmm. is like the open mind yes yeah a hundred percent that i think this is a conversation marion and i have had quite a bit because um like mindful employer we're a pretty small 
organization, although we are national. And so in our sector, I think there have definitely been moments where people have approached us to collaborate and we could take that frame of mind of, no, this is our baby and we're going to hold it very close and protect it. Or we can just be open with what we're doing and like freely work with others and build those connections in that community. And I think you're going to have such a, such a positive experience being open to those opportunities rather than kind of closed off and isolating yourself. And honestly, if we didn't have those moments of collaboration, I think it would be such a lonely place because we are a very small office. Um, like I often am working alone unless Marianne is here or if like we're meeting for something to talk about mindful leader. And I think that, um, I've through collaboration had the ability to make these really strong connections with other individuals that I can reach out to that when I'm in different cities now for work, I have colleagues who are friends there that I can meet up with and it feels a lot less isolating and lonely. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I would completely agree with Marianne. That idea of collaboration is for sure key. I think in whether you're a leader working in a large organization or whether you're an individual, Independent professional who's just trying to grow their community and their network. Imagine if every employee within a team or every employee within an organization had the mindset of each time I meet someone, I mm -hmm. might not be best friends with them, mm -hmm. but there's always at least one thing I can learn from anyone. Yeah. Like that would be powerful. Absolutely. That would be so powerful. And I think to like, you always have a book with you that you're writing things down in. And I think to have a book like that, where after each meeting, you stop and ask yourself, like, what did I learn today and walk away with and making note of it. And then almost just like reinforcing the importance of having that open mind when you're going and having these coffee chats with people. And I'll say one more part. So, so we talked about the, a lot just now about being like open-minded and whatnot, mm -hmm. and then to bring things for a circle, balancing that with also being like assertive and and knowing your priorities mm -hmm. and, and your intentions. Um, it's like if you think about, and this is actually from this book, Principles as well, it's like everyone has a believability score. So for example, my believability score in, in automotive or woodworking mm -hmm. is low. Yeah. So for someone to have, for someone to ask me a question for me to say my opinion about woodworking or automotive, <laughs> yeah. They, they shouldn't value my opinion because mm -hmm. my believability score is low. Yeah. Whereas in other areas, other areas that I, that I learn in, I cultivate, I grow, my believability score is higher. So perhaps they can take me more seriously mm -hmm. or listen to what I'm saying. Um, so it's, it's kind of uh, observing everyone and seeing possibly what their believability score is. Because mm -hmm. you, you wouldn't necessarily ask your family or your, or your family members for everything in your life. You're no. asking for certain things. But to ask them for everything is is not thinking about everyone having like a, a believability score mm -hmm. in a way. Yeah. And I think that comes down to having healthy boundaries about like not expecting everyone to just immediately connect with you. And that you have and I think for yourself too, not feeling like you have to give all of your energy and time to anyone who takes up the time to meet you. And then you have to work with every person who's ever approached you with an idea. I don't think that's healthy. I think, like you said, you have to have a strong idea of what your values are, what your motives are, what your goals are. And then based on those, decide, like, what are the collaborations that 
are going to help me fulfill these and will bring me energy rather than I'm so terrified of missing out on something that could be huge that I'm going to agree to everything and then not be able to give like that full 100% to something, but instead just kind of wearing yourself down until you're exhausted and burnt out. What's the biggest challenge you would say you faced as a leader and how did you overcome it? So here's where the podcast goes from po- like yeah. positive and now, <laughs> yeah. now we go into the Don't objective. Don't worry, we're going to come back up. We're going to end on a positive too. <laughs> it's like the, the Stockdale principle. Like yeah. The, yeah, the optimism and... Uh, it's that compliment sandwich kind of template. Yeah, really. Okay, so... And, and this sounds... Uh, cliche but but i'll we'll elaborate on it and, mm-hmm. and kind of say some details is that i've i've had to learn and the biggest challenge is it's uh i'm not searching for my answer i'm searching for the truth and so and then my goal is to just get my answer as close to the truth as possible it's like there's there's a there's a quote that there's three sides to every story my side, your side, and the truth. Um, and so the the company owner doesn't always have to win. The best idea does. And so having that, that I suppose, words would be humility and, and again, open-mindedness, but mm-hmm. to, to realize even when I'm in crazy conversations and, and, and individuals might be, uh, they're, they're really testing me and whatnot. Yeah. Um, the, the, the fuel that, that I try to remember this challenge I'm going through is because I'm, I'm my motivation is I'm not looking for my answer. I'm mm-hmm. not looking for to, to be perfect. I'm just looking to cultivate this craft and get as close to the truth as possible. Mm. I love that. Okay. The way that resonated with me was I immediately thought of there's my st- story, your story and the truth was those moments of like overthinking in your head where you're playing yourself a story that you think or you're trying to interpret someone's behaviors of what you think they were trying to do or say or whatever it is and instead of like just reminiscing and getting caught up in those stories asking yourself okay is this the truth or is this just my perspective of a situation and I think that could save so many of us so much time and anxiety and overwhelm is that simple thing of the truth you know instead of just trying to trying to cement ourselves in the story we're telling ourselves like I think that's so admirable that instead of that going for the truth and living life that way I think there are still going to be moments where you feel a sense of injustice and rightly so like there could have been an action or something done that um, was meant to cause harm in some way, but I think more often than not, we just tell ourselves these stories and create, create the misery for ourselves rather than understand what the true intentions were behind it. And what you just mentioned about, but at the same time, sometimes un- unfortunate things mm-hmm. happen. Um, is is knowing, like literally, w- without a doubt, like mm-hmm. this isn't subjective; it's objective. Is knowing what's within your circle of control and then what's outside yeah. of your circle of control. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I am, and I am encourage leaders to realize a lot of things might be outside of your control, but a lot of things might be inside of your control. Mm-hmm. Um, and this comes down to, 
like self-awareness. Yeah. And so in, in building stronger teams, which is a resource uh, shared during the, the mindful leader certification, there are self-awareness exercises. And this is, I think, part of the reason why it's relevant to the workplace. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So how would you say you, I guess, like motivate, help yourself get out of that idea of this is my story and instead try and focus in on the truth? What's your process? So I, I, I don't have all the answers. <laughs> and, and the nice part about this is... How noble of you. <laughs> it's... it's um, and, and perhaps uh, learning this and, and trying to, to really hone in on this skill set is almost like uh, it's, it's helpful for myself. So like I'm, I'm in the trenches. I'm, my, my, cl- my head might be in the clouds and I might be thinking a lot, but I'm also uh, working like, like I'm in the dirt. And, and so, um, but in, in terms of to, to zone in on the part about you, you think you're telling yourself your own story, the only kind of so far uh, part that, that I think helped me a little bit in terms of trying not to, to victimize myself mm-hmm. is that, uh, and here we go with the cliche, but helping people. And so there's, there's other parts of my life outside of like the professional world, like uh like Sarah and I uh, talk, I uh, host uh, skateboarding uh, events for kids. Mm-hmm. Skateboarding is positive. Yeah, and so to to do something like that mm-hmm. and to to be with you know three year olds, four year olds, five year olds, and to just to, to hang out with them mm-hmm. and realize the joy that they're having helps myself not necessarily sweat the small stuff mm-hmm. and to to literally like break that victim story I might be going through yeah. and let's go back to the drawing board and, and rethink this again. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause it's easy to, to have a spiral going out of control of like your own story. And then, you know, you need to, someone might need to break that. And so that's what I've found is, is sometimes helpful to break that. Do you find when you are, so you do it usually once a month, right? On a weekend that you invite kids months. from the community yeah, to come out and you um, are teaching them how to skateboard tons of different age levels and beginners and advancement and such. Um, do you find in those moments, like that is a place and time where you can completely focus on being present in the moment and that you are not worried about other things happening outside of that, that environment? Yeah. And, and and perhaps like it, it has something to do with with empathy. Mm-hmm. But it's it's also knowing like for for that hour, hour and a half to touch like someone's life. It's kind of like we brought up earlier the, the, the line that's like one uh, which has to do with uh, landing on the moon, one mm-hmm. one small step for man, yet a giant leap for mankind, uh, knowing that just for five minutes i could do one-on-one with like a a little boy or little girl and somehow like get their confidence going at least a little bit um that's the part that's like i'm I'm focused on on them and doing that rather than myself because they're the ones where that could be the biggest domino effect of their life if you have uh, and and i think it relates to like employees too if you have uh an, an employee going through uh something in their life and you take uh, that time to like seriously help them. The domino effect of that is massive. 
massive, right? And maybe they won't leave the company and then your turnover costs go down and then maybe this person does not spread gossip because otherwise gossip leads to dis disengagement and, and, a, and a toxic culture. Um, so it's to, to wrap things up and come full circle, it's knowing that helping someone with like in a, in a small way, that small step can lead to the biggest domino effect later on for them. Yeah, that you may never know right at the same time like they may never come up to you and say this moment was changing for me but that yeah you can definitely just touch people in in some significant way where you can change the their frame of mind going forward and really create that healthy space for them so in in, in plan for resilience mm -hmm. in in module one there's a, a checklist of how you'll support yourself kind of moving forward yes and one of the, the check boxes is uh, listening to podcasts. Mm -hmm. And so I find podcasts massive and, and very impactful because of to hear someone. So if you have a, a pain point in your life, you're trying to learn something or there's a certain situation to listen to that type of podcast, just to hear someone going through that. It's like, whoa, you think I, like I think to myself, I'm not the only one. Right. And it's like, okay, like I'm, I'm, I'm not going to, or I'm, I'm going to now adjust my story because they did. And they're the, they're the example. Um, so to kind of open your world and realize that you're not the only one and someone else might've gone through something like that. And so it's not impossible. That could be like the biggest beacon of light that there is for someone. I would completely agree that recently and for years, Marianne loved Oprah and was like just the biggest fan and I was like oh, I don't know I'm just not on the Oprah train and very recently I hopped on that Oprah train and I've been listening to her super super soul session podcast and it's just like just chock full of amazing information and like the connection even though it, it sounds odd because you're just listening to a stranger not live by any means tell you what's happening with them but they've recorded this and they shared their experiences and their challenges and their successes. And it really is just creating that human connection moment where absolutely you're like, okay, someone else has gone through this and come out the other side. And I think it's a healthy reminder for us that, yes, we're going to go through life struggles, uh, but that it doesn't mean you're going to be in that struggle forever, that you're going to have times of low and it's going to feel awful. But then you're also going to have opportunities to create amazing moments too and you just have to watch for those and and hold on to them i have a question yeah if you sarah were on oprah's show <laughs> yeah after all of these podcast mm -hmm. interviews you've done is is there anything that has been common themes that that you if, if oprah gave you a microphone and said hey sarah can you you can share this with the rest of the world mm -hmm. is there any kind of like one-liners or ideas you would you would mention that have come up a bit in conversation i would say the importance of humility but humility in that as a leader you are humble and vulnerable with your staff but i think that encompasses so much so i think it's the idea of being humble enough not to always need to be the expert in something but also having the humility to let your staff know when you've made mistakes and remind them that, hey, we're all human and we can come back from this, but also 
being vulnerable enough to let staff know when maybe like you've gone through tough times and how you've learned from those experiences and how you want to support them. Um, so I would say those three things, like the trifecta, I think of being vulnerable, humble, and having humility as a leader, I think is such a strength, but I think it's something that also still has a lot of stigma behind it for leaders and that there's a lot of fear that if we start to encompass those things, we could be seen as weak and that someone could come in and take our place, I guess, as a leader and that maybe we won't get that promotion we're looking for. But I think um, there's a greater good behind it that can come from it that, yes, maybe you won't have this legacy that you're envisioning in lights, but that you will have touched and impacted so many people in smaller ways that you as a leader may not see as significant, but that has had a significant impact on them and how they interact going forward and the leader they may become one day. That's my Oprah super soul session. That was amazing. Thank you. <laughs> and, 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 and I ask because it's, it's amazing. And, and hopefully perhaps everyone listening, it's, mm-hmm. it's that um, it's not, like you just said those the three main parts mm-hmm. not one of them was necessarily buying the most expensive tech product oh on for the market. sure no yeah it wasn't let's uh buy ping pong tables and and pool tables for our office those things are tools a part of the toolbox but they're not the the entire toolbox and so for myself to to listen to for for you to say that is is the most like ironic thing but in the best way possible because everyone does think you have to like buy stuff and you have to whereas the everything you mentioned is things that it's not a, necessarily even a program it's things that you you implement in your day-to-day operations and just integrate that in yeah i would completely agree that those things are definitely helpful tools that there's an initiative out of uh, the states called Total Worker Health, mm-hmm. and it's this this wave of best practices for building wellness programs for companies. Oh, okay, and it's it's based on expanding the definition of wellness, and instead of just putting it as an individual focus on individual behavior change, mm-hmm. but also these organizational outcomes. Like, can someone leave their desk? Yeah. So. It's, it's this balance between individual accountability and then organizational accountability, which from from my learnings, uh, creating psychologically healthy and safe workplaces mm-hmm. and noble leaders is a part of that, of like these organizational, uh, the organizational side of things. Mm-hmm. Um, both of them are necessary uh, because, yeah, like th- there's serious factors in the company of can can I leave my desk? Does my boss accept me for for who I am? Mm-hmm. Am I allowed to make mistakes? Is it okay that I don't have the answer right now? Yeah, yeah. Do they see me as an employee who they want to help excel and grow, or am I just stuck in this little cubicle and I can't venture outside of it? And these are my job tasks, and those are for what forever what my job tasks will be. Yeah, absolutely. Which um, which I think Dr. Martin Shane talks about. Um, uh, decision latitude and how much like control someone has in their day mm-hmm. and that literally being in and of itself a well-being initiative yeah so the the control someone has at their workplace and the balance between control and demand like 
is a tool for for wellness if you will in and of itself mm-hmm. yeah and considering those other factors that impact the wellness of employees so what's been the most positive lesson you've learned as a leader okay so we are chatting about human beings not human doings mm-hmm. yeah and knowing that is uh having a a a baseline understanding of human biology Mm -hmm. in the sense of knowing like timing and so what i mean by that is if someone is if it's a tense situation Mm -hmm. and someone has their their adrenaline going up you know like biologically they have a a more of a closed mind and they're Mm -hmm. ready to to fight like fight or flight yeah and so understanding that timing is everything and and having conversation with employees the the the, your content can stay the same but the context of Mm -hmm. when that conversation happens uh is is very like crucial um there's a a cool thing that's everyone should be aware of like um, it's called amygdala hijackings (laughs) so your your amygdala is, is a is a structure in your brain yeah and so when your amygdala is like hijacked by adrenaline or that fight or flight, mm-hmm. it's it, your amygdala does that because it, it's used to saber tooth tigers and et cetera. Mm-hmm. But we don't have to deal with that anymore. We had our bra- brains are wired the same way. So we can't always look at us as a, every, every situation that happens to us as a threat. Yeah. And so the, to come for a circle, a positive has been that that timing does matter. And that you're you are dealing with human beings mm-hmm. who have what we call emotions. Yeah. And it's not a matter of um looking down on that, but rather like dancing with that. Mm-hmm. Embracing it and accepting it. Yeah. I think that's a great way to end this conversation. We're back up on the positive, you know, to embrace our emotions. And I think um someone I was recently talking to on the podcast. Um, Kate Petru, we were talking about how important it is to feel your feels. And I think it's just as important to give people the space to feel their feels and experience their emotions as well. And like you said, then have that conversation at an appropriate time rather than when someone's in that heightened state and they can't focus on what you're asking of them because they're so focused on what they're going through. Mindset matters. Mindset does matter. (laughs) Nathan, thank you so much for coming and joining us today. Thank you, Sarah. On our Noble Leaders Having Noble Conversations podcast. Um, If you are looking to hear this podcast on the regular, you can follow us on Spotify, iTunes, as well as Google Play, and click subscribe and download.